This podcast is brought to you by Toasted Marshmallow Adventures Studio. Contact them at gettoasted at toastedmarshmallowadventures.com for all of your podcast production needs. Good morning and welcome to Not Everyone Gets a Trophy with Amy and Mo. Good morning and welcome to our show. Not everyone gets a trophy with hashtag Princess Amy and Mo. Uh, we're really excited today to bring on a guest speaker with us. Um, he's a really great person. He was born and raised in uh, Nampa, Idaho. He was um, in the Army Reserves. He's been deployed. He did this phenomenal thing by walking across America, and that's what we kind of came here to talk about uh, to get his side of the story. Um, what I do know about him, to kind of give him an introduction, is that um, based on where he was in his life, he decided to sell everything he had and uh, give most of it away, buy a ticket to California and start there and walk all the way across the United States. So um, we're really excited to have him today. Uh, his name is Jeremy Miller. He's Welcome. Got a Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for being here today. And um, let's get down to it. Talk right. to me about the big why. You know, I, I, sometimes people say, don't ask why in podcasts. I think it's important. I think it's important to know the why. And uh, because that's ultimately what, if I'm going to watch a TV, a movie, I, it, there is that why component. Why right. doing this, right? Why do I want to go eat at McDonald's? Why do I want to go to this church? Why do I want to go to work here? Like anywhere you want to do. So talk to Buzz about this why. Um, so the reason why I walked across America was for my own mental health. Um, it started out, I wanted to do something that put me in my happiness. My big thing is about find your happiness. And so mine's always been outdoors, whether it be backpacking, hiking, fishing, whatever it may be. Um, it's always been my happy place, if you will. And uh, I had just got out of a divorce and got a DUI. I felt like <clears throat> my life was going downhill really fast. And so I needed to figure something out that would help me. But a lot of times people will do something to cure that moment, but not get a long deal. So, so like you can go backpacking. Okay. You're, you feel great for that weekend. Right. Um, right. Then so when, then when you get back home, you go right back to where you were, you get right back into that dark hole. Right. Yeah. Right. So would you say that you were living your life with moments of happiness, but most of it was just miserable? Exactly. Okay. So, yep. and I, I, I have to, uh, agree with that. A lot of people, I, I hear from a lot of people that say the same thing. Well, I have, you know, most of the time my life is great, but, um, a lot of it is just miserable. Like I don't really see the point of it. So. Right. Yeah. So let's take a, uh, a step back and, and talk to me a little bit about like the army, the reserves, uh, kind of, you know, when was this experience talking about the weather, right? Right. So we can get a picture to, to our audience. Like, wow, take, take, take them back a little bit. Okay. So yeah, I was, uh, I joined the military right after high school 
um, which is 2006, and I was in until 2015. I deployed to Iraq for basically all of 2011. Um, we traveled basically all over Iraq doing route clearance. So our job was basically to drive at five to 15 miles. Now we're looking for bombs on the side of the road. We cleared everything out. That way, the convoys that like that brought our supplies and stuff in, they didn't have to worry so much about it. They could just drive. And so we went out at night, and so we looked for bombs. Um, I was blown up once, and then some went off kind of around us. Um, also, same thing with like firefights. So some of that is like very stressful. And then every day on base, basically was we have this huge incoming alarm, and it's when like mortars and rockets were shot over the walls into our base. And at first, you know, we thought it was a joke because they were way far away, right? Mm -hmm. um, then they started getting closer. People were they. Like, oh, nope, that was a miss. So they'd start stepping them in. And each day they start get closer to where they were like, I don't know, maybe 50 to 100 feet away from where we're like sleeping. And we slept during the day and that's when a lot of them came in. And so it was just like constant adrenaline, even when you were trying to sleep. Like, you didn't know if you're going to wake up or if you didn't wake up to that incoming alarm, you know, you could be blown up and not be able to make it to a bunker. So it was just constant of just stuff going on. Yeah. For the whole year. Yeah. This is this is very interesting. Um, because when I hear veterans or people come back from from war in my in my experience, I've always been in, in, in therapeutic uh counseling or, or session. Um but but looking back, you, you say these things like, Hey, I just, you know, I went to, you know, go buy some groceries. But man, like looking for bombs to us, uh, I mean, that, that is some crazy stuff. I, I mean, it sounds terrifying. It takes definitely a different type of person. I don't think it's something that just anybody could do. Of course, sounds, when you put when it in the moment, you've got to. When you talk about it, it's almost like you're downplaying how fearful. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's just, I guess, something that I've, I've done, you know, for the whole year and I've trained for it as well that, I mean, it was my job. And it's kind of like, I, I've i got to do my job. Otherwise, me or my buddy is not going to come home. So it's just, I don't know. You just kind of look at it as just another day of the office, I guess. Wow. I mean, I, I'm trying mind. to do the math in my head. And we're talking about, what, 19? Between 19 and 21? Is that how old you were? Or I was 21, yeah. I, I think about when I was 21... I mean, I could tell you a million stories of what I shouldn't have been doing at the time. <laughs> so, you know, mad respects for, for, for A, leaving high school and just enrolling because my priority was definitely not that. My priorities were, you got to be young, you got to be a kid. So talk to me more about like the process in your head because <laughs> what got you into, into that, into that career, that path? Um, I mean, honestly... It started, I had this high school sweetheart, right? All through high school, we broke up senior year and I'm like, well, shit, we had everything planned out. What am I going to do with my life now? And then of course a recruiter comes into my shop class the next day and was like, Hey, come join the army. Like, da da da, give me the spiel. And I was like, all right, let's do this. I was 17. My mom had to sign the papers, which I'm sure was not easy for her. But then I went in as a heavy construction equipment operator. So running backhoes, bulldozers, uh, Stuff like that, basically, you see on the like road construction. And this um, is at 18. Yeah, 17 to 18. And then 
when I get back to my unit, they're like, oh, we don't have those anymore. You're going to be a combat engineer. I'm like, well, what's that? They're like, oh, you get to blow stuff up. I'm like, hell yeah, let's do this. This is going to be <laughs> awesome. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I'm i like, I'm all for it. I go over and, of course, you get to learn about demolition and stuff like that. And then in all reality, though, they're like, no, what our missions has always been is route clearance. We're going to clear. So, I mean, I mean, I don't know really the process or anything. It's just kind of... I some signed up for this. I'm going to serve my country and this is what they asked for me. And I, you know, sign that blank check. Let's go. Let's yeah. do this. And let's hopefully I get home safe. And, you know, if not, I gave it my all. And, uh, you know, yeah. and initially, is that what your thought process was to serve and protect my country? Or was it, you know what? I got nothing to lose. This is yeah. just the next thing. Nope, it was definitely the nothing to lose. Didn't have my girlfriend anymore. Nothing to lose. But as I got into it, it changed a lot. I mean, so I was in, what, sixth grade when 9-11 happened, and which is right around the corner now. Um, but I was in sixth grade. I didn't really know what was going on. But as you grow, you learn more stuff about it. And then it, you know, after I'm in the military, I realized, like, it hit me like, wow, you know, this is a big deal. This is... This is why, like, subconsciously I signed up for this because, like, I I want to do something about this. This is not okay on both sides. But um, so I it started out as, yeah, whatever. I got nothing else to do. <clears throat> They'll pay for college, you know. And then I got into it and I was like, no, this is, this is where I need to be. This is where I'm supposed to be. So that kind of, like, is kind of like a pattern for you like mm -hmm. nothing to lose you know there has to be something done about it so you just did it so like moving forward with um where you were with feeling really down about your life you felt like you lost everything you're back at that pattern of like well i have nothing to lose but something has to be done about things that you have experienced so would you say that's right or yeah okay so i kind of want to like move forward yeah. with that like one one thing you that you said that really interested me is you, you said i was subconsciously kind of meant to do this um i'm curious to know, do you have your family any military history there uh both my uncles were in the military but they're not really close family um my dad grew up on a farm in mesa arizona on a dairy like so he wasn't in so really nobody that i knew was in the military. It just, yeah. it was just, yeah, spur of the moment. Like, yeah, let's do this. Signed up. And yeah. Yeah. No, you know, and it's, it's crazy because like you said, I didn't know, I didn't think about this, but September is around the corner. Yeah. And we're bringing you in kind of like the 20th anniversary, which is, which is nuts, right? That's <laughs> um, great. I'm big on connecting the dots. So if you would ask me all my mistakes, everything I've been through at the moment, kind of like you, I've been like, I don't know why I did it, but I did it. And then it wasn't until 10 years later that I was like, makes sense, right? Like I, I, I was meant to do it without knowing that I was doing it, right? So even though perhaps, like you said, you went into this saying, yeah, uh, my girlfriend kind of broke up with me and I just need to weigh out. To me, it, it's you understanding life and listening to life. And that's why I'm as a therapist is listen to life. If life is telling you, can I go this way? Go for it. Because if you don't, then... <laughs> then it's going to be bad. Right. You never know what you could have done or what could have happened if you didn't try it. Absolutely. The one thing I really like about you is that you don't have any fear. 
like the things you talk about, like being in combat and sleeping with not knowing. Was well, it gonna... fear? Or is it confidence? There's a difference. I right. Both. I mean, I see what you're saying. I Both. see what you're saying. Yes, but like because you have to be f- fearful of those things. Like, I mean, if it's good true. fear. There's a good fear. Yeah. Right. It drives society, you. Society has this thing that oh well, there's good bad. And there's good good love and bad love. And there's good fear and then there's bad fear, right? And to me, it's no, it's it's, it's fear. It's fear in the purest way. Fear is, it's, it keeps you alive. If you don't have that, then you're, you're going to walk straight into that bomb because you don't have no fear. So to, when I hear him, Jeremy, I hear a lot of confidence there. Like, whew. And I, maybe just being who I am and my emotional status of, being a female, like I just, I just think about like fear and how terrifying and how hard that would be for me to make a decision like that. Even with how confident I feel like I am on a, as a person on a daily basis in a lot of aspects of my life. Yeah. So seeing that, but with that, yes, I was very fearful, like to make the decision to go walk across America per mm-hmm. se. Um, but at the time I felt like I had nothing else to lose. And I had just previously tried to take my own life. And so it was not so much in fear. It was kind of like a last resort for me. It was like, I go do this or at the time, my four-year-old isn't going to have a dad. And so, and he needs a dad. I've heard too many stories. I've had so many buddies kill themselves. He needs a dad. I need to be around my family. I can't just pass on my, my issues to them or, you know, my depression to them. Because what's it going to do? It's just going to keep falling down. So I was like, it was my last resort. I've got to do something to fix this. I got to get straight in the head again and move on with life and get, get going and just end up turning into something phenomenal. So your son was kind of like the motivation. It was a huge motivation. And especially the day that I tried to take my own life, um, he's the reason why I didn't. Yeah. And I kind of want to touch on that. Like what, what, uh, where were you like in that headspace? Like. What drives a human to get to the point that that they don't see positive outcome to to take another breath? So I had just got a divorce. Uh, my son's mother. I, like I said, I got a DUI. I didn't know where I was going to go after that. Um, I lost my job. I didn't feel like I had anywhere to go. And then also I've had panic attacks and PTSD moments and stuff where I just with all of this stuff combined, I'm like, I'm done. I can't do it. Um, and then, of course, the topper on all of that was alcohol. And I was also on Percocet and um, antipsychotics and stuff like that, where that all those combinations, especially the 18 pack of al- or 18 pack of beer every night, drove like it just put me even further down. And I, I had no drive for anything. And so it's all that combined. I'm like, I'm done. Yeah, I'm I'm checking out. So I went to go drive off cliff out here in Kuna. And like I said, my son is the reason why I didn't. Because right before I got to the edge, it was like in a movie where tires stop inches from it. Before I got to that point, I saw my son basically in my head. And I'm like, I can't do this. And I just, I stopped. And it was inches from the edge of the cliff out there at Swan Falls. And I'm like, nope, done. Like fell out of the car. And I was actually homeless living at the bottom of that canyon. I probably would have landed on my tent. <laughs> where I was living at the moment. Imagine, so imagine surviving me like, well, um, well, I guess it's bedtime. I guess I'm home. <laughs> yeah. Air mattresses oh, popped wow. out, but hey, I'm here. 
but wow, bring it around a circle. You know, it's struggling and and still ending up at your home. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's yeah, that's, a, that's an amazing story. Yeah, right. I mean, I don't know if you've. I'm sure you've been out to Swan Falls. It's a long drive, right? Like, well, I mean, not long drive. But it just seems like because there's nothing. So add all these prescriptions, the drinking, um, the depression, all this stuff. And you're just headed out driving. And then it's also desert roads, right? So that's how Iraq is. And so it just all was right there. And I'm like, I'm done. I'm I'm done. So I was gonna just going to keep going straight and just drive off. So and maybe that's the fear part, right? He's no longer fearful. And, and I think in one of your um, interviews, you talk about the feeling of feeling like you, you weren't, nobody wanted you there. Right. Is, is that correct? I think you mentioned I pushed everybody away that I possibly could un- unknowingly, but then came back feeling like nobody wanted me around. But it was my fault. I pushed everybody away. My mom, my or basically my whole family, my kid. Yeah. Everybody, I pushed them away, not knowingly, but I just I was in that dark hole. I didn't want anybody around, but I wanted everybody around at the same time. Yeah. To me, I'm interested in, in, I'm big on feelings. Everybody who, who's been in my groups or anybody who's, who I've talked to is like, talk to me about the feeling. There is always one feeling that either you're, you don't want to feel or you feel too much. Mm-hmm. Um, probably loneliness. Yeah. That's a big one. Like I just said, I pushed everybody away, but I wanted everybody near me. That's crazy how that happens. Yeah, it's, and I've. I've had several different counselors. I've done probably two years straight of EMDR, um, and which I absolutely love. That was thank my you. favorite. Oh my gosh! Thank I you for saying that. And that actually that <laughs> helped out at. a lot. But um, and again with feelings, that's what they like. What are you feeling like when you like going through their deal? And then like, well, how do you feel? I'm like, can't put it put a feeling to it but eventually i could and now like now that you're asking me i've never actually thought about it but i'm like a lot of it is loneliness i didn't know i lost my wife my job got dui pushed my family away had nowhere to live i was alone yeah i was lonely and if that is the truth in that moment and you've been feeling this way for months who wants to live this way right and and that's what i try to tell people is subjectively this experience it leads the brain to believe to say i want to just end the pain right and there's a difference between ending the pain and and completely like just ending your life there's two different things pain and just selfishness so i just uh, so it's important to, to know that because a lot of times when people do end up completing suicide there's this shame and guilt that comes that follows that how dare they Hundred percent, right? And it's almost like what? Like I hear what you're saying, but but it's you have to understand how the brain works before saying those things, mm-hmm. right? So I'm so glad that the, that you've been doing EMDR because EMDR, it's kind of like a hit or miss. I always say it's the Michael Jordans. You can go out and buy Michael Jordans, and I can do EMDR, but but it doesn't make me a basketball player. I have to know what I'm doing. I have to be able to connect with you. To guide you for you to be a healthy human. If not, I actually re-trigger you as a person. And then you're like, no, 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 no. I hate EMDR. I hear more people saying I hate EMDR than actually 
I love EMDR. Well, that was my first couple sessions because they do. They they bring up a lot of crap that you buried down. And then, then you may leave that session pissed, even though they try not to let you leave mad. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you may leave pissed or sad or whatever. But then, like, within a couple hours, I'm always like, it clicks. Like, okay, there it is. That's why I'm being triggered by this. Next time I go in, we talk about it, and then I finally... I've been able to resolve certain things that happened in my life that brought me, that brought, had a lot to do with my depression already. And then I think Iraq just piled on top of it and I was still shoving it all down. So it finally brought everything out to light and I was able to trace everything back to childhood stuff. And I'm like, okay, I got it. I can now forgive that and I can move on now. Yeah. And um, it doesn't, it doesn't determine or doesn't put a label on who you are for the things that you've done. And that's kind of the beauty of it. Every, it takes away the I am whatever it is. I am not, I'm a bad person. I'm not lovable. And like it, it removes those things within your brain that it then allows you to, to look at things in a completely different way. Right. So, but so, I think you have to be able to commit to the process, the process, <laughs> because training your brain to think a whole different way is, is hard. It's, it's work. I still can't go to the gym. <laughs> I still can't go to the gym. <laughs> so Yeah, so the, I mean it takes a lot of work. So EMDR, yeah, you will hate it if you can't commit to the work. That's so, not an overnight deal. That's right. Not. It's something you commit to. So so talk to me about when does this idea of walking across America? Um so I like I said I was homeless down down by the river literally um but i also was doing some bouldering out there trying to get back into my happy place um and because at this point after i tried to commit suicide like it was definitely gonna happen didn't end up happening i decided okay i need to find my happiness and get back into something here and so in rock climbing i've always loved it so i was out there bouldering and then i drove up to black canyons and was doing some rock climbing and I was sitting on this ledge and I'm like, I need to do something. And not only for me, but for my brothers and sisters who have died by the same ideology that I'm in right now. And I was like, you know what? I need to do something bold because I could start a Facebook or something. And chances are, it's probably not going to go anywhere because I'm not good with promotions and stuff like that. I was like, I need something big. I'm like, let's go walk across America. And talk this about is what this wait, is. Let's. Who's this talk let's? about going big. Me and my multiple people up in my head. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm like, who's who? Yeah. Wait, that's me talking to myself. So I'm like, yeah, let's do this. Let's go. And so um within two weeks I was on a bus. From that moment of thinking when I do this, I drove back into town, told my mom, and she's just like, at first, I knew she believed in me, but she's just like you have a son. You just got a new job, basically. Like, you need to stay here. Like, and plus, it's dangerous. And she's my mom, so she's worried. You know, like, what are you going to run into out there? I can relate to that. And so it's, uh, <clears throat> I was like, no, I've got to do this. And she's wrote me a long note of, like, reasons why I shouldn't. And also, though, that she um, supported me at the same time. But me... And the mindset I was in, I took it as horrible. I'm like, you know what? Whatever, mom, screw you. I'm out. I'm doing this no matter what. And then she was supposed to take me to uh, California to start. 
And then I read this long letter and I was like, nope, I'm just going to go get a bus. So I literally sold out all my tools, everything to family, friends, Facebook, whatever it was, anybody who would buy something that I could get a little bit of money. Cause again, I was homeless. I had no money. Um, I probably had like 30 bucks, which was going to go buy me some more beer. Like, and so I sold everything and got a bus ticket, which was like a hundred something bucks to California. And I, I went, got all my gear together cause I love backpacking. So I had all my gear and I was like, let's go. Wow, let's go. Let's go. And you know, it, 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 the interesting thing about, and I always, I always teach this, and I always say the people closest to you are always going to be the people who stop, who try to stop you from accomplishing your dreams. Right? There's a difference between goals and dreams, and and they don't do it because they don't want you to do it. They they, they do it because they love you, and they don't want you to see, they don't want to see failure, they don't want to see you get hurt. Mm-hmm. But by doing so. They stop you from it. If I go right now to my mom and say, hey, mom, I think I'm going to become a doctor. Oh, I mean, do you really want to do that right now? You see all those bills? Like, you, you know, your kids, right? She's not doing it with the, with the intent of you're a loser. You suck. She's doing it to, because she's a mother, right? Because she cares. And she, oh, I don't want to see my son getting hurt, right? But most people don't talk about these things. These are the things that people are like, well... They don't realize. And that's why I tell people, understand that when people start in your immediate group saying those things, that's your dream. That's your dream. And that's exactly what you did. You just had this feeling of, I have to go do it. Yeah. And at first, you know, it it was for me. Like, there's no ifs, fans or buts about it. It was for me. It was to get my mind in a better place. And I was kind of touched on earlier. I had to do it in a long duration. Like, it couldn't be like, go backpacking for a week. It had to be something long. So I'm continuously in my happiness, whether I liked it or not, whether I wanted to stop, I'm in my happiness. And then people started donating money to um, my GoFundMe at the time. And I'm like, okay, now these people are counting on me. They've given me their money. What if I quit? Like, what are they going to think of me? What are they going to do? Um, are they going to want their money back? Like, and I just used it for a hotel so I could shower for the first time in seven days. It's like, but so it, that all kept me going. But the main thing was like, I needed to be in my happy place for a long period of time to get my mind out of that dark hole and keep it out of the dark hole. So I, I was like, walk across America should take me around five months and ended up taking seven, but I was like, it should take me around five months. I'm going to be stuck in this place for five months. I should be good. I was like, this is going to be really good. I'm going to come out a new person or somebody's going to find me dead on the side of the road or in a field because I decided it's too much and I decided to kill myself anyways. So Luckily, here I am. It went really well. I'm very happy. We're I'm very happy to have you here. Doing yeah, a, we I'm are. living some my dreams. And I mean, life's not sunshine and rainbows. You know, I still definitely have some hard times. I still have some mentally hard times. But now I can fight for it because I brought my mind out of that dark place. Now I'm not like, oh, it's hard. I want to die. Now so, I'm like, I'm going to. This is hard, but. Shit, I got through this. I'm going to continue on. I'm going to keep going. So now do you feel like you don't really live your life in moments of happiness? Like you have moments of weakness, but most of your life is consistently like you have joy and your life is good and and hardships don't really seem that hard and you're able to like get through them. 100%. Yeah, it's a 180 now. Before it was like I had moments of happiness, like you said. Yeah, yeah, now it's, it's all happy and I have moments of like, a little bit of depression, but then I wake up the next morning. I'm like, I'm good. Let's go. 
And but it stays that way. You know, it's not like I'm putting on a mask. I continue. Now you're I'm, just yeah, like you're on, just, you have your truth. You are honest to people. You're honest to yourself. And I, I think that's a huge part of of living with um, your happiness every day is not trying to pretend and wear this mask that, oh, I'm happy. No, I truly am happy. Life is hard. Life is hard for everybody, but um, we can do hard things and we can still find joy in what we do. Yeah. And the biggest thing is uh, asking for help. Like I've got a great support system now. One, my followers on Facebook, or I guess that would actually be number two. One would be my family, including my girlfriend. Um, huge support now so whenever I, whenever i am getting down i am not afraid to ask for help now i'm like now i'm like hey i had a bad day like can we talk or can this or that you know now i i can do that and before i didn't feel like i could and yeah i think that and that's part of like what our whole deal is is that bringing back that human connection and being able to share our truths and not feel ashamed and have those stigmas um like you know we were talking about how some of the difficulties earlier um, about how some of these things um, that drove you to suicide depression is the stigma of being a man and not being able to, I guess, be weak. Right. And you've been able to overcome that, but still have the abilities to function as a strong, stable man. Right. So how do we connect to 13 years ago? How do you connect to sitting here in this podcast to that guy, right? That, that was struggling. Like, and that's kind of what I, the idea of this platform is how do we connect people to the, to the people that are in need, right? Mm -hmm. So if you were to sit here and look back at you, it's like, how can we connect that individual, hear your story? Um. <clears throat> I guess I'm not 100% sure what yeah. you're asking, but I kind of see it as like how I would look back at myself. Mm -hmm. And um, I definitely would never want that to go away. That's who, that's what made me who I am today. So I am grateful and I will never regret anything I ever did before because it's, it, I've grown from it. And so now I'm, I'm here today because of all the stuff that I've been through. Absolutely. What, one of my favorite quotes is learn to love your sadness okay you say that and all the time all the time and when i when i heard that i wanted to 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 punch something <laughs> because it's it doesn't it's something that we don't aren't used to seeing mm -hmm. so what i hear from you when you said that is when when you love your sadness then it no longer becomes that sadness mm -hmm. it becomes something else and when i hear your story i i hear an aha moment I do too. Yeah. And I like we we wanted to talk about um you know like what uh what kind of things you accomplished along the way um and 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 furthermore like things that you're trying to um talk about um like that are presently happening like the um fallen soldiers the the 14. Yeah. Um can you tell us a little bit about that like how that's affected you and um like presently and then kind of go into that in, and then move on to like what you accomplished during your journey with walking across America and how you developed your nonprofit organization 
and how it is important to you and you want to reach back out to followers and and we want to know how we can help with that and help facilitate it um so yeah so i'll start with uh my nonprofit is walk across america incorporated um it's about veteran and first responders suicide awareness and uh my main goal um i at the beginning of my walk this was not something i thought i'd ever do start a corporation start a nonprofit um but by the end i realized my mission wasn't done yet i still had more to do and i was able to reach out to people all the way across america so i wanted to be able to help them as well um and so i <clears throat> it's now all starting uh after covid now I'm starting to get stuff in order for different events and whatnot and one of the first events that i want to do now is um the 13 miles for the 13 soldiers that died in Afghanistan. I had never deployed to Afghanistan, but it uh it still hits home because I was in Iraq. Um and so I want to be able to help them and be able to provide what they need to find their happiness. And what was your like what's your idea? Like what is it that you want to do? Um so I want to get them out of their everyday life and rather maybe a fishing trip, a hunting trip, or get them in to see a counselor that they can't afford, um, be able to pay for those things for them to get them into their happiness, into the happy place. And I know a counselor may not be a happy place, but it will help them develop the skills to be able to become happy again. Wow. That's amazing. And so, um, I guess, uh, like I said before, um, there was a lot of people that you affected along the way. You um, had a GoFundMe account. People were really excited about what you were doing, raising um, aware awareness for Veterans 22. Um, I don't have a lot of statistics on, on um, you know, uh, Veterans 22 um, kind of stuff, but um, there were a lot of people that were really excited about what you were doing. So can you just give us like a couple of, things where things just started getting popping and people were vamping it up for you and what they were doing for you. Wow. Talk about a lot of questions and one. I know. So me, I'm like, I'm the why girl. I'm like, why? <laughs> right. Why are they doing that? When is that happening? Um, so it actually, it all worked out perfectly. Again, everything happens for a reason. Um, the first half of my walk, which I say half would be, um, Kansas City, because geographically, that's the center of the country, even though that wasn't half in miles that I did. But half up until Kansas City, I was in my tent six days out of the week. I'd get a hotel room once I got enough money to be able to take a shower and maybe get a proper meal. Other than that, I was backpacking basically the whole way. Once I got to Kansas City, there is a, a nonprofit that got word of my story called Fish, Friends in Service of Heroes. They actually took me in for a weekend or three or four days, and uh, they helped me out along the way. One of those was they boosted my following on my Facebook page. So now, and they also knew people uh, later on, like different firehouses. I stayed in a bunch of firehouses, um, and then different people that they knew through their own companies and whatnot, they wanted to help and spread the word, and they got hold of their news people in their states and cities and whatnot <clears throat> so it just started to grow 
really fast. Like I walked into Kansas City probably with 1,500 followers after half of my whole journey. And by the time I left there, I had over 3,000. And then by the time I ended my journey, I had about 8,000, which was all I say started with Kansas City. Because when I got there, I my mental wellness was good enough to be able to take on being able to help other people. That first journey I had was fixing me, the first half. The second half was still fixing me, but being able to help other people and reaching out. And there's so many amazing stories I could tell if we had time that would show, you know, like just me showing up helps help some people and save their lives. And then being able to go have lunch with them the next day because I had I wasn't on any type of schedule. My mission was to provide, you know, whatever I could do to anybody. So Jeremy, that's amazing. Yeah. So it showing up a lot. Showing yeah. up. We talk about it all the time. We talked about it on, on our first episode and saying just showing up is it's, it's it's like most of the job because people don't want to show up. Yeah. Right. And just listening. Yeah. That was a big deal. I, I listened to a lot of stories, people listen to mine. And uh I found out that I mine impacted me in a in a way that it did. Um but I realized people went through a whole lot worse than I did and they're still here and they're they're still working on it, but they're still here. And I'm like, I look at myself, I'm like, wow, that seems so small. It's big to me. Yes. But it's so small in the whole grand and the whole grand scheme of things is they went through a whole lot worse. They did a whole lot worse things like, and uh, you know, so I am now grateful for, you know, what I've done and where I'm at now. And just a lot more, I don't know, grateful for other people, you know, what they've gone through and what they've done. We yeah, are, we're I, very grateful. We're I know. Gra- grateful I, you know, for you to I, be here. Uh, listening to your story, like, I have a lot of respect for you. But more so, like, I have an even bigger respect for people that serve our country and struggle with these things, um, their depression um, um, and their PTSD. I, I would love to hear more of your story if we had time. Um, but this has brought a huge amount of awareness and, um, we want to help Yes. kind of, um, anything we can do. And we're going to, we're going to, uh, post up some information on our, on our page that is live. It changes every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm learning as I'm going, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but you know, we're going to put a little bit more of, of your stuff on, on our, on our webpage. Um, so please go in there. And, um, I'm going to blog, I'm going to blog some, some stuff. So let's get in the conversation. Let's start, let's start talking. Um, because this is real. This is life. Suicide is real. Um, there are people who, who served our country who lost their life and that, that is real. And sometimes those conversations are not conversations people want to have, but, but we're here. We are very glad that you're here with us. Thank mm-hmm. you. And we want uh, we want to promote your web your nonprofit organization. So we'll be putting that on our website as well. Um, please reach out to us. Um, subscribe to our um, website. It's not everyone gets a trophy dot com. Thank you for joining us, and uh, we're gonna keep going. We're gonna show up. We're gonna keep showing up. And Jeremy, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Could I yes. just say one last thing? Yes, yes absolutely. Yes. Um. The biggest thing that helped me through all this is a quote by Gandhi. It's uh, the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. And that's what helped me keep going. And so I hope maybe that quote can help somebody else out. One of your followers is help other people. And eventually you will end up finding yourself again. And that's, that's what I did. Love that. 
I we're going to put it up on our website. I love that. Thank you. Yes. So tune in uh, for next week. Uh, we've got some more great speakers coming up, but we're really going to um, promote uh, Jeremy Miller's story. We really hope that you enjoyed it and we will see you next time. Thank you.